What's going on guys? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Coming off a two-part preview here. We're back to the more uh, standard podcast. So first we went into baseball. Sean and I got into it again about Severino and then we settled things. Uh, just going over all the overall state of the Yankees. Then we went around baseball, kind of talked about who's hot and who's not. Then we went into some interesting moves that are going to cap off the waiver season during baseball and a look forward to the end of the season and what we think is going to happen. Moving on to college football, we went around the top 25, talked about some things that we saw from the first week. We obviously talked about Ohio State again, and then we talked about what we're looking forward to in the next week to come. And then we went on to football. Um, we talked about the Le'Veon Bell story and then we briefly talked about the Earl Thomas holdout. And then finally, we went into our pick. So this is the first week of our pick. We will go over the format of our pick, the fun little bet we have going on. And then we actually made our four picks. So enjoy the podcast, guys. Follow us on Instagram at sorry underscore sports. Twitter, sorry sports. Always check out the website. Subscribe and uh, let some friends know about it, too. And uh, enjoy the podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. Uh, back again a couple days later after our NFL preview. We're going into everything today. Tom, what is up, man? What's going on, man? How are you? So we are recording just as the Eagles kicked off, so happy football. Happy football. Happy football. Happy not Yankees. We're getting into that right now. Yep, let's All right. get it going. So, so you I was and right. I have I was had right. plenty of conversations about Luis Severino in the past. Everybody who's been listening is well-versed in how our opinions differ uh, and neither of us are backing down. Tom's confidence is riding high. So go ahead, man. Tell everybody why you're right. Because they should have done exactly what I said they should have done and put a Fugazi injury up there and sat him down because guess what? He has pitched okay against mediocre teams and terribly against other teams. And I know what you're going to say. Oh, you got to ride with, ride or die with your ace, but it looks like we're dying with our ace. Yeah, now. but I told you, man, that's what that's what was going to happen. When you go out and get a guy like Hap, and you go out and get a guy like Lynn to fill the gaps, they should have gotten another pitcher. Well, Lynn has been awful in the last few starts in after we were few. anointing him, how, how he was you know so much better than Sonny. His last few starts, he has not been. It's an ebb and flow thing, man. I mean, you're you're gonna have to go with the guy who is the ace of your staff, and Severino is the ace of your staff. And if we were, and if they had sat him down in games that were very meaningful, still to pitch a Luis Sessa, to pitch a Sonny Gray, to pitch a Domingo Herman, we would be screaming at the top of our lungs over how are you giving a guy this start if Severino is not hurt, which they keep saying he's not. And I, from all the pitching notes that you made the last time we talked about this, how it definitely looks like he's off, and he does look like he's off. He's not doesn't have the same bite on his fastball. Slider doesn't have the same downward tilt. Hitters seem to be squaring him up very easily. But you know what? You know what you're going to get from Sessa. You know what you're getting from Gray. You know you're getting from the other options. Guys like Loizaga, um, Sheffield, they were not calling up. Loizaga was hurt. You're going to have to go with your ace, man, and in, in, in a ride or die. And right now it looks like they might be dying. But once again, you got to do that with your with the guy that's gotten you there and has been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last two years. I'm just going to blame Cashman. I was right. But Brian Cashman else, was wrong. Who else was the pitcher that they could have gotten to get? Cole Hamels is dominating. They weren't going to get both of the lap, uh, Hap and Hamels. Well, they should have. They weren't going to. 
I mean, listen, they needed someone else, clearly, because Severino has been terrible since the post all But let's break. take a step back, though. At the trade deadline, he had come off of two kind of rocky starts, but definitely nothing that would show, okay, this is, you know, he just pitched in the All-Star game, like a week and a half before the trade deadline. I mean, he had been he had been fine. You know, one or two bad starts. I mean, CeCe got lit up the other day. After, you know, he's usually, he was 10-0 and 0 following Yankee losses. I just think CC is a different story. I know you've been comparing it to Sale or any other ace. I just think they're all Severino different stories. Sale, yeah. yeah, no, 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 that's what I meant. And, and I just think, like, CC's a veteran. You know, CC gives up a 10 spot, even Tanaka more so than Severino. It's like they know how to reset, hit the reset button on the next start and forget about it. I just don't think Severino's there yet, and I think that that's why he needed more of a mental break than anything which else. He may not, which he may not be. We're not arguing over whether he's been good or bad. He's been horrible. Yeah, and, we can both agree on we that. We can both agree on that. And and my whole thing is, you know, if you anoint a guy the ace of your staff, and, and you, you know, he got the wild card start last year when they easily could have given it to Tanaka when he had more experience and was known as, you know, more trusty. They could go with Hap in certain big games. Games who turned in a, a stellar performance in Oakland on Tuesday on a game they they very much needed to win, um, but you know Severino's their homegrown guy and and generally guys like Sale and Scherzer you know they've had blips in the rate. I mean look at Kershaw. I mean how much better of a pitcher can you get than a Clayton Kershaw who has struggled immensely in postseason games? But they're going to give the ball to him every time because he's their ace. And when we talk ride or die, the Dodgers have not won it all because their best pitcher hasn't won them the big games, but they're not going to take their chances with a lesser pitcher. They're going with their best. And even though I think Tanaka is probably the guy I feel safest with because we've seen when the bright lights are on, that's usually when he's money. And I think Hap is steady. He's pitched in the World Series before with the Phillies. But Severino is going to be – if Severino is not good – the Yankees are not going to get to where they want to go. And it's as simple as that. But you got to give him the chance to right the ship and get himself better because if you take him out and you insert a Sessa or a much lesser kind of caliber pitcher, we're going to be screaming at basically throwing that game away like we were when they were throwing out those horrible lineups, you know? That's just my point. And that's why I kind of blame Cashman because it's, you know, you kind of you kind of handcuff yourself with you know, not having any other options aside unless you're going to bring up Sheffield from Sessa or anything else. I just think that they should have gone out and got another guy that could have, you know, fill, filled in the gaps there for you. And then I think that brings – you brought up a good point. Who is going to start this wild card game? Because Kershaw, Scherzer, you named a few other guys there. There's no debate. If you have a one-game playoff – you're gonna you're gonna go with that guy, but for the Yankees, I think you and I both don't know. You know, we're both a little. Nervous. I don't think the Yankees know. Yeah, and I think, to be honest with you, I would be a little more comfortable starting a guy like Tanaka or a guy like Hap in a one in a one game you know playoff wild card thing, having Severino ready to come in throwing 105 out of the bullpen, and then if everything goes well, he can pitch game one of a five game set. Oh, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, as is currently t- constituted, you know, that's probably the route that they would go. I mean, Tanaka lost that one-game playoff to Se- or to uh, Keuchel back in 15, but it certainly wasn't, wasn't his fault. fault. He gave no. up two runs in six innings. Um, you know, the Yankees just couldn't buy a hit. Uh, you know, last year, everybody knows how brilliant he was in the postseason um, pitching for the Yanks last year. He's a guy that you feel good about. And up until Severino kind of took that next level where it looked like he was going to be the ace, Tanaka was the guy who got all those starts, um, you know, opening day starts, uh, one-game playoff starts, uh, game one of a series starts. 
And Hap is a guy who, you know, they went out to get because they love what his what his resume says. And and he and he is rock steady. I, I think he doesn't fear anybody. I think that no moment's too big for him. Absolutely, he was on that yep. Philly team that lost to the Yanks in 09 uh, when he was a young pitcher there pitching in the World Series. You're, you're going to have to hope that whoever they throw out there has their game on. And that game has to be in New York. No questions asked. I think we just saw how they were out in Oakland. You do not want to play out there that fucking drum banging and shit like in that awful field that you don't want any part of playing that game out there. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, these last couple of weeks are more than crucial. I mean, the Yankees have got to be winning two or three, three or four, even sweeping. You got you got to be seeing that coming up, which brings me to our next point. What a disappointing stretch of baseball that they just finished up with. And they finally go out and sure up the outfield, Andrew McCutcheon. I was happy with that deal. Yeah. I mean, listen, and I'm, the second I saw that, I was like, well, I see. I saw you in my brain saying, it's better than Shane Robinson, that's for sure. <laughs> At the very least, you know? Yes, who they promptly designated for assignment to get them the Thank hell you. out of there. Thank um, you. Yeah, McCutcheon, you know, he's a pro. He's not what he used to be, but he's a much better option than when they've been running out there in, in Judge's absence. Uh, Danny Hechevarria is a nice shortstop um, defensive late game replacement. Uh, maybe put him at third if you need to. Um, but let's run through this track since we last talked. They swept Baltimore. We felt great about that. Then they come home and they lose two of three to the White Sox, who did then take three or four from Boston. So maybe they're starting to play well. Yep. You know, towards the end of the season, some of their good young talent is starting to show. But then they split with Detroit. You know, they lose that awful game last Thursday that Batances gave up. A questionable bullpen move there. You know, Batances has been great as an eighth inning guy. Britain has been one of the premier closers in baseball. I don't know why for that night Boone decided to flip-flop him, especially you can't even use the matchup standpoint because Victor Martinez, if he's facing Britain, is batting from the right side. You turn him around to the short porch side at Yankee Stadium and he hooks a fastball yeah, from Yeah, that Batances. was more than a head-scratcher right there. I mean, then you go on after the Detroit series and they lost the series to Oakland. I mean, and this is that was a series you had to win. Yes, yeah, big time. And it wasn't even so much that they lost, it was how they lost. You know, even Tuesday that they ended up winning 5-1, uh, that was a game that I think they were being no hit through five or four and two-thirds, something like that. Yeah, um, and Bokeland doesn't even have their best pitcher anymore because he, I think, is supposed to miss the rest of the season. Yeah, Sean Manea, that is. Yep, you're 100% right. So that was, that was tough. And, you know, last night was just a nightmarish first inning from Severino and 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 Sanchez too. I mean, he couldn't catch anything. There were four pass. There were four balls that went to the backstop. Two were uh, scored as pass balls. Two were scored as wild pitches. Honestly, all four could have been pass balls. If they hit the glove, you got to catch them. Once again, showing that you can you feel comfortable. We're talking about pitching. Can you feel confident putting putting Gary Sanchez back there in a one game playoff? Not at all. I mean, I think he's going to have to get in shape this summer or this winter and. But that's the you interesting know, work thing. Work on his defense. He's he, fifteen to twenty pounds lighter now than he was when he went on the DL. He looks. Lean I think and that's better, one of those things where you're not gonna you're not gonna see a tremendous improvement defensively in a couple of weeks. I think that that's an off season kind of thing. Next year, uh, you li- you like to see him get a lot better defensively. That's an off season. He kind has of to, thing. and he's regressed because when he came up, I mean, he yeah, he hit like crazy, but he was a defensive wizard. You know, he caught everything. Uh, has a rocket for an arm behind the plate. Still one of the best in the game from that standpoint. But, you know, a lot of guys that get in a scoring position is, is because of his, you know, misplays behind the plate. Um, 
you know, two premier positions for the Yankees catcher and third base leave a lot to be desired defensively in both positions. You know, Andujar and Sanchez can win you games offensively, but yeah, they can but lose Andujar, you a game. Andujar is a guy that I don't, I, I can't complain about because we, the Yankees wouldn't be where they are right now. Oh if it no, wasn't for but him. he has had you know his role in a couple of bad losses at third base defensively. Yeah, he's gonna have his hiccups. He's a rookie. You expect the same thing with Torres. I think. Um, I think that Sanchez is a little bit more inexcusable as a catcher, being that he's been up in the big leagues for about three and a half years now. So, but moving on, you know they got a four game set against Seattle coming up. I mean, I think this series now being is it four or three. I nope, it's, it's a it's a three game series. You're right. Okay. Three games against Seattle, three games against Minnesota. Then they come back to come back to the New York and they play Toronto, Boston, Baltimore. So then you got Tampa Bay and then a final series with Boston, which doesn't really matter anymore to finish off the season. No. But looking a little bit closer, this Seattle series, Seattle's fallen back a little bit more, and I think that the Yankees need to sweep this series. Yeah, I mean at three, I would love to see a sweep. They're facing Paxton tomorrow, who's off the DL. Um, you know, two of three, I would feel okay about, but really the biggest thing is, is you got to fend off Oakland. Oakland's playing a cakewalk. I was looking at their schedule. I know they're playing Baltimore for a three game set coming up. They're playing Texas this weekend in Oakland. Texas is not good. They've mailed in. That then they season. got Tampa Bay and then they got the angels. So yeah. So you hope Tampa gives them a fight because Tampa has been playing really well. Absolutely. Uh, for the last like after two, a month after Tampa Bay goes, goes ahead and has a fire sale and trades pretty much everybody that had any value. They decide to get hot and if they were in any other division in baseball they'd probably they'd be, be looking looking at a wild card or a playoff yeah it's, and it's crazy to see yeah dude and, and talking to that point when you were reading off the rest of the yankee schedule that four game set down in tampa where the yankees have only won one game out of uh out of six this year i i don't love the feeling of that series you know i feel like in that last week you know the yankees and a's might still be you know within two and a half three and a half of each other and if you go down and you lose three or four you know, that could be really bad. I mean, they hopefully by then Chapman's back. You're going to get Didi back tomorrow. Judge should be back. I still believe that at full confidence, at full, at full strength, I have the confidence that they're still one of the best teams in baseball, but they've got to get there first and they need to continue to, to fight and, and win some games. You know, Luke Voigt has come out of nowhere and has become kind of a kind of folk a fan hero. favorite folk hero. Yeah, man, he's been, he's come up with some huge hits. Um, I think McCutcheon will stabilize right field a little bit more. Uh, Stanton's gotten a little cold, but he carried them for a while. Uh, Torres has been hot. Absolutely, man. And, you know, the, the MLB is completely on par with uh, with your saying that the Yankees are still one of the best teams in baseball because their most recent um, power rankings, they put them up on the fourth, Red Sox one, Astros two, Yankees three. Yeah. And then the Cubs and the Athletics surround that out. Only one NL team in there. That's a little bit crazy. Just goes to show the difference between the two leagues. But Yankees still rank third in the power rankings. And, you know, that really puts it in perspective that we, you know, we sound like we're talking about, the, we're Met, we sound like we're Mets fans here <laughs> complaining about this. And then you realize that you're, by all accounts, the third best team in baseball. It's just that kind of year. It is that kind of year, and and we figured the Astros were going to be just as good as they've been. I did not see the A's coming. I don't think anybody did. Never do. Um, never do. You're right. I think you you said what was that quote you used? It was a it's a four year anniversary. Yeah, or every four years it seems like the A's have a have a team put together out there with Billy Bean. You know, he just click, pushes the right buttons and they they get really successful and then they trade everybody. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Boston obviously has had a year for the ages. I mean, I don't know if you saw the win they had yesterday 
they were trailing like seven to four in the ninth, and they and they win. Oh, and that's Brandon, that's a weekly Brandon, occurrence. Brandon Phillips hey, hitting a, a game winner in for his them. first game. In back. his first game for them. I mean, they're having one of those magical seasons where it's like every there's certain games that you pick to. Like I remember in 2009 with all the Yankee walk offs and everything that you just point to and you're like, you know what, this is just a special year. And I really feel like that's them this year. I mean, so many games that they should have lost, so many breaks that they've gotten. And not to mention that they're just a fantastic team. Um, yeah, I think in the playoffs that bullpen crazy. is going to get a little bit more exposed, but they may just match their way to, to the World Series. You never know. But um, so what we'd like to see from the Yankees in the next couple of weeks is just taking the series at the very least. Yep. If they don't take the series, they're dead in the water. They're probably playing in the road in the playoffs, and that's not good. No, I don't want any part of a game out in Oakland, and no matter who's pitching. But you gotta get that. You gotta get that game in Yankee Stadium, and you and you hope for the best. I mean, that's kind of the cards they've been dealt, but that's the card they were dealt last year. And and regardless of who they start, playing at home is a big advantage. The A's don't have a pitcher that could lock you down like a Keuchel did in '15. You, you feel better about yourself at, at home. So Absolutely. we'll see what goes Aaron there. Aaron Judge, please get healthy. Please, please get back. healthy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So moving on, we'll go around the league. Um, Atlanta is um, beaten, you know, beaten up on Philly a little bit recently. Um, they're up three games on them, and it's crazy that the – you know, the Nationals had that a fire sale of their own, and then it's seemingly right after that happened, both of those teams just decided to stop hitting. And could you imagine they still had those players? Even if the Nationals heated up a little bit, that division would be so much more interesting. That's a great point. I, had, I hadn't even thought of that because I knew Philly was going through their tailspin, and I guess I didn't put into perspective how bad Atlanta's been over the last mm-hmm. week or so. And doesn't that just speak to the complete ineptitude of the Nationals? Like how they were that far back from two junior circuit teams that, you know, you've got to see, they've got to prove that they can hold off in the heat yeah. of a September pennant race. And they just didn't I was do way, it. I was way wrong on the Nationals this year. I were. had been pounding the table, even post-All-Star break, saying they were going to turn it around. I think everybody was wrong on them. They are oh, just yeah. they're just a bad team and a not a well-run organization clearly. The no. talent the talent is still there for them to be like a top 5 NL team and they can't even find their way into top 2 in their own division. You think that's a one and done manager again? You think David Martinez no, is out? No, I read a report yesterday that he's 100% coming back. That's ridiculous. I mean, sometimes, you know, these these GMs, they got a lot of pride, Cashman too, and they're just going to roll it back out there with them again. And you never know. He could have a good second year. That's, you know. I just feel like that's one of those few situations. That would have been like the equivalent of the Yankees not making the Definitely playoffs. don't think Harper's coming back. I no. think they can make up for it between Soto and Robles, but do not. I don't think you're going to make a player of Bryce Harper, but I think those two outfielders will do a good job filling his shoes. Um, next up, we got the Cubs. Who, Your boys. Yes, they are looking hot. Cole Hamels and Daniel Murphy, great pickups for them. Who would have thought Daniel Murphy would would get off to this, you know, get hot like this? They got guys, every single guy seemingly that, that, like, that they pull up from their farm system, this guy Boat, he's hitting things onto onto the street out there. Everybody I mean Javi Baez is a top three NL MVP candidate. Every John Lesser starting to pitch well. It just seems like everything's starting to click for them. They got um 
They got what's his name coming off the DL soon. The third baseman. Is, oh, Bryant. Yeah. yeah, Chris Bryant's coming off the DL. I mean, their team looks like they're going to be really good. They do, and and even with, I mean, if you were to tell me in the beginning of the season, they that don't you even Darvish, have their closer either. Brandon Morrow has been hurt recently. He's been hurt he's coming all, yeah. off soon. Yep. And, and if you were to tell me that you Darvish, their prized offseason pickup, was not even going to contribute to them this year. I would have said there's no way that I can pick them to be a World Series team. And, you know, they pick up Hamels, and we spoke to it prior to the deadline. We said both Happ and Hamels were kind of cut from the same cloth where, you know, you get them onto postseason teams, you you throw them into the thick of a pennant race, and they're going to pitch well, and that's exactly what both have done. Hamels, especially out there in Chicago, has been everything. He's been a saving grace for them. Yeah, no, they they are rolling right now. Uh, Milwaukee, I mean, Yelich is absolutely on fire. Hit for the cycle a couple days ago. In a so six-hit game. Yeah, man, they've been killing it. They're definitely uh, they're definitely still in it. Colorado has taken over in the uh, in the NL West. Uh, Trevor Story hit like a. I mean, it, I know it's it's in Colorado, so the air up there is a little bit thinner. But he hit like a 510 foot bomb last night. Crazy. Two home runs. The guy's absolutely killing it this year. Hitting right around 300 with 30 bombs and 100 plus RBIs. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers seem to be um, folding a little bit. I saw Puig got suspended. So um, they're up two games on Arizona as well as the Dodgers. And I got to say, I think that Arizona takes a wild card, and I think the Dodgers go home. I don't know that's, about you. That's quite a take. I don't know. I mean, I definitely don't think – I did see a stat that right now Luke Voigt has as many RBIs with the Yankees since the trade deadline as Machado has had for the Dodgers, which is – The Yankees just, traded for Machado? <laughs> yeah, which is just ridiculous uh, to think about. Uh, I mean, they've made basically every move that they possibly could. I mean, they got Ryan Madsen from the from the Nationals to try to shore up their sorry bullpen. Uh, you feel bad for Kenley Jansen going through his situation. He is back, but missing this big series coming up in Colorado. I think that's the Rockies' division, man. They play with a little swagger. I, I think that just when Matt push Holiday comes to shove, got pulled back up as well. Yep. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Yeah, good for him too. I mean, I was always kind of surprised he didn't get at least a spring training invite uh, by some team. But no, I mean, they, I think when you just push comes to shove, they're probably the most talented team in that division. Who knows what'll happen come October? But I could see that. I, I mean, the. They're, all three of those teams are just right there. It's crazy how two games separates three teams. It's That's going down to the last two days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really interesting. So Milwaukee and St. Louis still have a hold on those two wild card spots. St. Louis, I saw they went well. They went out and got Matt Adams back, basically. He hit a couple bombs yesterday. He's looking really hot. And then we'll go over um, – there was a couple moves have been made also in uh, – on the late waiver wire polls. So Josh Donaldson got picked up by the Indians and then promptly was put right on the DL. And then well, he was rehabbing anyway. Yeah. In, you kind of Toronto, expected that, yep. but he should be back for the playoffs. Can you imagine that. him in that lineup? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're basically taking Kipnis who has been a 220 hitter for the last two seasons, taking him out of the lineup, moving an MVP candidate in Ramirez to second and Donaldson over to third, which is, that's a crazy thought. And then Granderson went over to, uh, Granderson and Gio Gonzalez went over to Milwaukee. I like that move. I think Gio Gonzalez is still a serviceable starter. I wouldn't have minded having the Yankees go and get him. And then Granderson being, you know, a guy that you liked coming off the bench, hitting you a couple bombs. Yeah, I like Granderson, but uh, I, I thought that, you know, he, he fits in well with that National League style of a, a you know, pinch hit him at any point in a game. 
Gio Gonzalez, I thought, was a possible fit for the Yanks, uh, just as another depth piece in a, in a rotation. Um, Always but good he to have has a been very, still he has, has been a very something. bad the last month for Washington. Um, but you know, I still think you he does wonder, have something. You always wonder when it comes to pitchers like that, and you see, you saw it with Hamels as well this past year, and you saw it with Verlander last year. Is if they kind of have some left in the tank, but their teams are just so terrible that, you know, you're. It's like Degrom, although he's absolutely dominating. Like you're going to lose a game two to nothing, right? And I, I feel like that takes a toll on you when it gets to a certain point. Oh, I think so too. I mean, even Hap, remember, like his last few starts in Toronto were not good. Yeah, and it's you know you you saw it exponentially with Verlander last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see it with Gonzalez, a guy that's reinvigorated, you know, for the next couple starts. Right. And especially with the injuries that the Brewers have had to their rotation. I mean, he's going to, they're going to plug him right in there and hope that he can, he can win them a few games down the stretch. I like those moves. What'd you think about McCutcheon with the Yankees? Did you, I know we, we talked about it very briefly. What'd you think about that move? Did you think it was the right move? Did you think a a left-handed hitter like a Granderson was better? Or do you just think the price was right and you got to do it? I think the price was right. And like you said, you got to do it. And I just think, you know, you had to do something. Something had to be done. You cannot be starting Shane Robinson, Neil Walker, some of the other guys they were running out there. If Gene Carlos, um, what was it, his hamstring, hamstring is really still nagging him like that, you kind of have to get another guy because Gardner's been terrible. Um, and I think McCutcheon, if he has a little bit left in the tank, he can play a good defensive left and or right field, center field if there's an emergency. I just think it was a good move to be made, and I'm happy with it for sure. And he's definitely a good uh, a good guy to have in the clubhouse as well. Some playoff experience, former MVP, a bunch of time all-star. And he was still producing. It's, t- it's tough when you're an older guy to produce in a ballpark like San Francisco. And he was still putting up decent numbers. Yeah, I mean, I echo everything that you just said. I, I thought it was the right move. And, and, you know, we were screaming and yelling about Cashman and not making a move. And, you know, I, I think that's when we need to kind of sit back and, well, myself for sure, sit back and kind of be like, okay, because he was saying, he's like, listen, we were trying to get him three weeks ago, but they weren't out of it and they weren't ready to concede, you know, that, and, and we, you can't make somebody trade I'm surprised with they didn't move Longoria as well. Yeah. I, I think what's tough about that is he's still got a couple of years left yeah. on that deal. You know, McCutcheon is a free agent. So I thought it was a good move. If if he doesn't hit a whole lot, I mean, at least his presence in the lineup is better. You feel better about him taking an 0 for 4 than Shane Robinson taking an 0 for 4. And Definitely. he'll play a good right field. The other good thing, he, he drew a couple of huge walks in that Tuesday night comeback. Uh, against Oakland, no no moment scares him like you said. Postseason experience and used to being one of the best players on a team. So you know if you run him out there until Judge comes back, that's great. You you feel better about him out there, and and he's a guy who you don't mind having on a postseason roster because he could run into one. He's a good late inning defensive guy to bring in if you like the matchups and you don't want to start Gardner against a tough lefty. If they get to that point, you can start a McCutcheon out there. I thought it was a good move. Finally had to do it. Feel better about this lineup. I think with Didi back tomorrow makes a big deal. And I thought an under-the-radar one was Hechevarria. You know, he's already made a couple great plays at short. That's what he is. He's If he could hit it all, he would be an all-star because what he does defensively is, is pretty amazing. But a guy that, you know, in a couple games that you knew you weren't going to have Didi, you can play him at short if you want to keep Torres at second. And, 
and if anything I else, think she that comes was a in good late move innings too, because you Why saw not? a lot of errors from Torres at shortstop. You know, I know he's traditionally a shortstop, but I think the guy practiced a lot at second, and he's a rookie, and you want him to get comfortable in his position, and you gave up nothing for the guy. I think it was a really good move out of Cashman as well. So, you know, the next couple weeks, you know, we need to see a lot out of the Yankees, a lot of winning. Um, Didi coming off the DL, hopefully Sanchez can heat up. If they can keep what getting what they're getting out of Voight, I think that they're going to you know start rolling, hopefully, or playing a little bit better. Maybe Judge will come back within the next three weeks. I yeah, pray. I mean, I think I the hope. Yeah, the hope is you know, fingers crossed that he that he comes back in in two weeks. They said you know he was he was swinging the bat finally, hitting off the tee on Monday and Tuesday. Hopefully I have a question for you: is, What's up? Is Greg Bird is he done forever? It, it looks that way, unless Voight just con- con- doesn't hit for a couple weeks and they give Bird another chance. But right now, Voight stole that job. I think Bird is done as a Yankee. I mean, we'll get into that, you know, in the off season. We'll have plenty of speculation, but I wouldn't be shocked to see an Andujar move to first and assign a Machado. Ooh, kind of okay. like that idea. I but like we'll, that. Or we'll a Harper, or a Harper just play first. I don't think they like the power lefty bat anymore. I mean, that lefty bat, man, I mean, Bird is a 200 hitter. And even if he hits you 30 home runs, All right, which let's he's not, not doing, comp, that's awful. Let's not comp Bryce Harper and Greg Bird here. Bryce Harper's hitting like 219. He's having an off year. Come on, dude. I know, but the he's not a high average guy anymore in his career. He's a, he's a power lefty bat. I think if you put him the in shift, that, I think if you put him in this Yankees lineup, that his average oh, goes produ- up immensely. I don't. I don't his think his average. Percentage. I think his on base, and I think he. I think he's a guy that you look at to pr- give you pr- pretty much the same numbers that you got from Granderson for those few years. High forties home runs, hundred so RBIs. He'll have great on base, but these guys aren't hit. You know these lefty hitters, especially Harper taking aim at that short porch. I could see easily a two forty guy, two thirty five with fifty home runs, which would be great. But I think the Yankees want more of those full, those righty bats that are also really good opposite field hitters. If you look at Judge and Stanton and and Duhar and Torres, they hit the ball all over the place. But yeah. we'll get into that at another time. Yeah, that's definitely something for the offseason. We got a lot of sports going on, including college football. So let's move nice on to segue. that. I will sit there and say that I was a little bit wrong about Miami in my final uh, my final four. I was drinking the turnover chain Kool-Aid <laughs> to follow the previews theme. Um, they got rolled by LSU. And we did – I don't think you expected it, and I didn't expect LSU to have an offense that good. No, and that's where I've, I'm interested to see what happens to both these teams after that game. I thought Miami was very overrated when we did our very brief college football preview I thought I didn't even pick them to be anything relevant in the ACC. I thought they had kind of a Notre Dame schedule last year where they won some close games against competition. That's eh. Clemson's so much better. And just as far as the landscape goes, uh, I didn't think they would. I thought they were very overrated being eight. But is that really bad Miami or was that just really good LSU? Because I did not see LSU being able to put up 35 points. LSU does not score quarterback looked good too he looked great and once again is that because they were playing a team that to me plays an inferior conference and plays you know aside from aside from clemson who does the acc really have i mean virginia tech put on a very impressive performance against florida state which we'll get into does that mean florida state's bad or virginia Tech? yeah and you know that's another question those white week one games you know you always have to ask yourself a question when you see a performance like that on both ends but 
you know, what does LSU do when they start playing SEC teams? Because to me, you know, your your defense is in, in the SEC, particularly in the West. You have your Alabamas, you have your Mississippi States, you have your Ole Misses, you have your Arkansas, whose you know defense is always pretty. I mean, decent. the bottom line is is just that LSU is going to play better athletes. I wouldn't even say the coaching is better in the SEC, aside from Saban. Uh, aside from that, I don't even think the coaching is that much better. Just the athletes down there. It's like playing against an yeah, NFL Gus Malzahn team. is a really good coach at yeah. Auburn too. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I want to see what Miami does. Like, do they get? Does this just kind of lay the patchwork for them getting rolled in the ACC? They may just not be ranked in three weeks, right? Or does or does this propel LSU to finish? You know, when they play Alabama that first weekend of November every year, is that game going to matter? Is that game going to really matter? And and can they show that they can you know score with the big boys? I don't know. Their defense will always keep them in games. Every year or so, they do put up a performance like this, but it's usually against a Florida or it's against a bad SEC East team like a Vanderbilt. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that was better LSU or really just bad Miami, but I'll be interested to see. So the next game we can get into because we teased it a little bit, what did you take away from the ass-whooping that was VaTech and Florida State to finish off the weekend? Well, being that I actually had um – Florida State to cover the spread. It wasn't Ouch. great for me. Um, quarterback didn't look like he knew what he was doing all coming off an ACL. Offensive line couldn't block. They couldn't really get anything going on offense, whether it be the running game or the passing game. And their defense looked like they got stomped. That's it, pretty much what I saw. At home. And their quarterback, I don't know if his name is Jackson or – Who's that for, for Florida for, State? For Virginia Tech. Oh, for Virginia Tech, yeah, he, yeah. He looked like he knew – he looked like the real deal. Yeah, Virginia Tech has – He's a sophomore. Yeah, Virginia Tech doesn't have a uh, – they don't – they never have a great team, but they always have a good team. Uh, they, they develop quarterbacks well, not usually for the next level, but are always pretty good, you know, three- or four-year starters. I was shocked at how bad Francois was for for Florida State. I mean, he was a top guy, and you wonder if that knee injury suffered last year to Alabama in that first game, if that just kind of ruined his confidence. They couldn't move the ball. And and Virginia Tech, again, is this does Virginia Tech turn into that second team in the ACC that could contend and maybe fight with a Clemson? I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. I didn't expect Florida State to be that bad. I mean, at home on a Monday night of Labor Day weekend to, to with that crowd there ready to go, and you you were just anemic. And they're going to run that coach. That coach now, you know, you, you got to remember, is he's, taken over for, uh, he's taken over for Jimbo Fisher. That's a bad first impression. And there's a couple of those, like, top-tier programs that have no patience for bad coaching and bad play. And I, he's, his his hot seat is probably scorching right now after a performance like that. Yeah, so moving on from that, another top 25 matchup that you had was Washington and Auburn, and Auburn looked really good in that game. They looked like they had a lot of pro talent out there. They do have a lot of pro talent. They're a very good team, and I think that this is going to be a year where they're going to play about as well as you can. I mean – their quarterback, uh, Steedham, is in his second year now, and he was really good last year. Um, you know, he beat a couple of big teams last year, folded in that SEC title game to Georgia, but beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. You know, I, the Iron Bowl this year could be big because I could see both teams being, you know, undefeated heading into that perf- heading into that matchup. 
They're really good. I mean, the SEC West is always really good, but there is a couple of down teams. You know, I don't I don't know how AM is going to be this year. They have a big game at home this weekend against number two Clemson, which is by far the most appealing uh, matchup of week two. That game's at College Station with the twelfth man down there. I don't know if they're gonna if they can rally behind and at least if they show that they can hang with Clemson and Clemson just beats them, you tip your hat to the probably the better team. But if they can, you know, surprise some people and keep that game close with Jimbo Fisher getting his first really big test, I don't know. Maybe that's another team you add to the SEC West. But for right now, I think it's Bama and Auburn. And I think Auburn's just another good team. And I kind of said it last week. You agreed with me. I think Washington's the product of a very underwhelming Pac-12. Yeah, the Pac-12 is, um, it's always, you know, there's a couple of good teams that look good against each other and then they go and play the ACC or the even the Big Ten or the SEC and they just look inferior. And they'll be there at the end of the year, not, you know, just to finish up with them because, you know, UCLA starting a, a freshman quarterback, USC starting a freshman quarterback, Speaking Arizona UCLA, State's they got, got the new rolled. head coach in her. Yeah, yep. Oklahoma with that kid that's got drafted in the first round by the Athletics looked looked like animals out there they looked great yeah no they did and and then you know you've got arizona state with herm edwards for his first year we'll see we'll see arizona Heisman candidate at the arizona starting at the arizona um quarterback position um and then the last game i wanted to talk about was just to further prove our point that we spoke to a little bit earlier with the urban meyer stuff the final score was like 77 to 31 ohio state beating uh, oregon, oregon state, state. Are you surprised? No, no. I mean, that, we don't have to talk about it much, but it's just it just for the he took he must have had a nice vacation. I hope he had um, a couple of my times. Yeah, and he can enjoy this week too when they're playing Rutgers. Uh, yes. It's what a disaster. I, I mean, I, I told you at the end of the year, and you agreed. I mean, we we're not breaking any ground with that prediction. They're gonna probably be they're gonna be the best team in the in the Big Ten, and and unless Wisconsin, a team like Wisconsin who does have the physicality to maybe knock them they off. They just never have the skills. But they don't have the skills, uh, uh, and and when they do, it's usually in a year where Ohio State's on another, on another level. No, they don't. And Penn State barely beat Appalachian State, who likes to play the role of spoiler, if everybody remembers from 07 with Michigan. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the case of the Big Ten's going to be. I mean, you're going to have a lot of teams. Northwestern's returning basically everybody. Um, we'll see what they can do. I mean, they don't have a history of being good, so there's there's. They no, also have a big-time quarterback transfer as well. Yeah, so. there, there's no expectations for them. But, yeah, I expect Ohio State to pretty much run their way through the first part of the season, get Urban back, and everybody can talk about how great of a coach he is because, you know, college football people like to sweep that under the rug again. So Absolutely. That's so where we are for week that. Week two, we're looking forward to – in college football to um, Texas A&M and Clemson. Yeah, that's really the only great game that's on. I, the other last thing I want to mention is I, I'm going to always apologize for him because of the level of coach he is, but that does not give Nick Saban any excuse to treat sideline reporters the way he does that night. He that, called and apologized. He, he did, but you know what? I hate seeing that, man, because you're such a good coach, and, and, and you know if you're going to try to take these little – these little kind of I'm smarter than you approaches by listing both quarterbacks as starters on the you depth gotta chart. expect to get you're asked going it. to get asked a question which is very fair you know it Maria Taylor who who interviewed him for ESPN um, 
after the game, she asked the question of what did you like from both quarterbacks? What did you see from both quarterbacks? And and to just say what Saban said, which was, I like both of their skill sets and please stop asking me about it. Well, you're bringing it upon yourself. These are This is a very valid question. And just to kind of finish up and put a bow on it, that game didn't surprise me at all with, you know, Tua is the higher risk quarterback, but he makes every single throw on the field. He hit a couple guys in stride, you know, looking off two safeties and or looking off the corner and one of the safeties and, and throwing it over the other. Tua reminds me a lot, and I know it's left-handed versus right-handed, of Jameis Winston, where that shit looks He's really good passer. in college He's football. He's a better passer. He's a better pure passer. I, Jameis Winston's one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. Oh, no, time. I agree with you, but... but the way I describe it is because he'll take, like, he threw a ball up in the end zone that the wide receiver got a little oh, bit that of separation. Oh, yeah, that was horrible. Jay, that's a pick in the NFL. That's a pick probably if you're playing anyone other than Louisville. You know, yeah. that, in, an, in an SEC d- game, that's probably a pick. But And then Jalen, you know, using his feet, and he made all the underneath throws with the accuracy that he has had uh, his entire career at Alabama. But he had a couple of opportunities to open up the offense where they've called a couple of deep plays for him, and he missed very badly on a couple of plays. So that's kind of what I expect. I think Tua is is they said Tua is going to start against Arkansas State this week. That's going to be a game that ends in the high 60s <laughs> for them, and uh, give both quarterbacks the opportunity to show what they want to show. But at the end of the at the end of the day, you know. Fast forward three, four weeks, Tuga Tagovailoa is going to get all of the, basically all the starting reps, and they want to show that they can score because eventually, especially if they have to play a Clemson again this year or a Georgia, their offense is going to have to score points because just as good as their defense is, it was shown last year that there's other offenses that are capable of, of breaking through. So we'll see, but I thought that was just just a bad job by Saban. Yeah, he I'm glad he apologized. Showed a little bit of class doing that. So, moving on to the NFL, I'm definitely excited for the Clemson game. De- definitely going to watch that one, but let's move on to something that actually matters, the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> it is starting right now as we speak. The Eagles are playing the Atlanta Falcons. Huge news for the Steelers, for the NFL, for fantasy players all over the world that are shitting the bed. Le'Veon Bell has yet to show up and by all accounts is not going to play this week. Um, I don't I don't know, man. I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could go because if you think about it, let's say, God forbid, Antonio Brown gets hurt. Maybe the Steelers pull back that tender. They let James Conner play running back all year and they go out and sign Des Bryant. You ever thought of that? No. <laughs> and then you know what happens? Le'Veon Bell automatically becomes a free agent and can sign with any team he wants. Or let's say he doesn't come in in six weeks and the Steelers pull it off the table because James Conner is playing like uh, with his hair on fire and they just say, you know what, we're not going to ruin the chemistry in the locker room. Just go be a free agent. Thanks for playing. That could be. I heard a, I heard an interesting report, and that was a that very in-depth there, possible GM there, Tom. Yeah, uh, well. They, well, fantasy GM at least. Um, <laughs> they were uh, – they were talking about how you know I think it was it was Pouncey the center on uh, on on Pittsburgh who those had guys said, were all under the impression yeah they that said he was that he would in. be there you could book it and when he wasn't you know I think that makes them look bad because he he took the leap of faith for his teammates absolutely and offensive linemen are a, are the most they're probably the the 
biggest connection of any unit in professional sports. Those guys are in the trenches, you know, that continuity that they have to play with together to, to keep a quarterback upright or get a, or get a running back through the hole. You know, that's a, those guys are very tight and they don't like the fact that a guy that they're blocking for is playing this kind of game. Yep. It's very selfish. You got to look at it from that don't side. Don't get it wrong. It like is he deserves selfish. a pay. We are big, but you know what? You and I, since the Julio Jones thing, and the OBJ and Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack have been big supporters of, hey, man, this is football. You could get injured any on any given play. Go get your money, man. Go get your money. Yeah, and I and I definitely see that point, but I think right now you're, you're past that point. You know, if you want to go into the preseason with it, that's fine. But now with a game starting and you're going to hold out week one, you know, we saw Earl Thomas literally on the same day say, you know what? I hate this situation. He posted an Instagram saying, I hate this situation. I'm not happy about it. I'm but not going to forgive. I'm here for my, yeah, but I'm here for my teammates. I'm here for this city and I'm here for this team. It would have been nice to see Le'Veon Bell do that for Pittsburgh, especially with those guys really going out on a limb for him, saying yeah, that. Yeah, not to we, mention in the offseason, Le'Veon Bell saying, I'm playing every game this year. This is going to be my best year yet. Mm-hmm. This, that, and the third. And I think his agent has a lot to do with this, um, You know, probably chirping in his ear, saying, you got to hold out, got to hold out. But by all accounts, you know, they showed it last year, and they're definitely showing it this year. The Steelers are not re-signing him, so they'll trade him if yeah. they if they want to. But he ha- they can't do anything right now. Nobody can because he hasn't signed that that franchise tag. So it's basically in limbo because either the Steelers pull it back and let him become a free agent, or he signs it and they can trade him, or they play out the rest of the year with him. So it's kind of all on Le'Veon Bell. He has until week ten, right, to to sign it. Something like that, yeah, yes. I think it's week 10. But yeah. they could pull it back, like I said, at any second. And if they get banged up on the offensive line or they get a wide receiver hurt, I wouldn't be surprised if James Conner and that other running back core are clicking and you know they're not going to give you 100% of what a Le'Veon Bell does, but if they're giving you 75%, I, I, would not be, I would not be floored if they pull back that tag and then the New York Jets go out and get Le'Veon Bell. All right. <laughs> No, but I'm serious. I, I, I would not be completely shocked if that happens. It's it's definitely an angle, but I think he's going to play sooner than later in maybe week two, three. I'd say the latest four, he'll be back on the field with the Steelers. I think he has to be because that team still in, you know, we did our projections last week and we, we were discussing, obviously, how top-heavy the AFC is. Not to mention, not to cut you off there, every single game that he doesn't show up for or week or whatever you want to call it, he loses about $812,000 or $862,000, something like that, I believe. Now, I understand that he's you know, losing smaller amounts of money to try and go get himself a lot larger of a sum of guaranteed money in the end, but that's still a lot of money to be leaving on the table. That's a lot of money, and I want to know who's going to be paying a 28-year-old running back a long-term deal. I don't, I don't see anybody. If it's not the team that drafted you and has used you to the best of your skill set, I mean, how many times across the yeah, landscape do we see position. a guy, you know, where within a year or two they fall off and go into obscurity? I mean, even Demarco Murray, I forgot he was on the Titans till I was watching a Titan game, and he was about as big of a name from the running back position as you could have had for about three years. He's in a tough position because he's the last of those Demarco Murray running backs where you just ran him into the ground before you pay them and then you just get rid of them. Now it seems like Gurley and all these guys, Barkley and whoever you want to say, are getting locked up because of these big guaranteed contracts. So 
I mean, it's tough to see, but I think by week four, you're going to see Le'Veon Bell come back, barring a catastrophic injury for the Steelers where they need to allocate that money elsewhere. They got they got to have him back if they want to do what they want to do. They've got to have him back. Uh, we'll see how James Conner does this week. He's he's supposedly a really really good player. Oh no, player, I expect him to, to be good. I, I do expect he's him to be Le'Veon good. Bell, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. Of course, Le'Veon Bell is one of the best wide receivers in the game as well. True. Um. So moving on, you already mentioned him. Earl Thomas is back. He's uh, the only member of the Legion of Boom, and I think that that entire team is just not going to be very good this year. I think Russell Wilson's a slow starter, but he's going to have to carry this team. Doug Baldwin's got somewhat of a knee issue. Uh, Penny is supposedly not playing this week. They named Carson, who I think is the better back anyways, as the number one. Um, I guess I have Tyler Lockett. I don't really know what else. Yeah, I mean, we picked them third in the in the they NFC also, West. They're stud linebackers. I forgot his name, but he is coming off uh, – uh, surgery as well so he's not playing at all either for a couple weeks so I just don't think that the Seahawks are going to be very good crazy to see how fast a defense can and a team can basically go by the wayside it's going to be the trend man it is and and that's the thing you know they were they they could keep everybody happy when Wilson was making nothing and as soon as you had to pay him like a top exactly. quarterback everybody else you know there's no money to go around for everybody and Sherman gone Bennett gone you know Chandler gone uh, and now Thomas is the only one staying, but it'll only be a year. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, prior to the trade deadline, there's their way out of it. And they, they use him hopefully playing well to, to acquire a couple of picks somewhere in the draft next year or the year after, uh, just as some kind of collateral for him, knowing that there's no future with him after this year. Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, let's move on. Let's get into our our little segment that we're going to do. So basically, Sean and I are going to come up with a bet, probably going to a game and wearing an opposing team's jersey or or something along those lines. But every week we're going to pick – we're going to go against the spread. We're going to pick the two local teams' lines, and then we're going to go with two other lines that – stick out to us and then we're going to tally it up at the end of the season and whoever wins me wins and whoever loses sean loses um (laughs) all right so this week basically we're going with um, we're going with a website that i found they use bovada's lines so you know it's straight out of vegas so they're pretty accurate lines up to when i printed them gave sean enough time to look at them stare at them sniff them whatever he had to do to get ready for this you're a bad guy um you know and what? Yeah. Just give your four teams, your four games, we'll, and we'll tally you. All, right, all right, all right. So we will. Uh, let's start off with the two locals, and then we'll go with our two picks. I would probably go money line with the Giants. You're going to take the Giants to win. I, w- I am. I think at home. I think they're going to take. They Ooh. were reporting that Jalen Ramsey is. It was limited in practice this week, dealing with a little bit of a knee issue. I don't know if that means anything. I have to imagine he'll play, but I think with Beckham getting his first action. With the new deal, I think he is going to be very happy to play, and he's going to and and I think he's going to take advantage, and and they're going to win a game. So I'm I just don't want to see a, an Odell Josh Norman repeat of a. Few I don't think ago. you will. I don't think you will. I think that's going to be a Giants. I, I like the Giants to win that game at home to start the season, hopefully on a good note. And then secondly, I'm also going to go with you. I think six and a half is a is a big number. I think the Jets are going to keep First that game very close. Head I coaching like, Patricia. I don't like him as a coach at all. I know you you said that, and, and it, you know we're going to find out. I do like the Lions to win that game. Me too. But I just because I think you know it has that trap. It has that nasty game all over. Like you said, bad announcers. It's the first game of the Monday night. You're playing in Detroit. 
I think Stafford wins, but I I think six and a half is a little too much. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Jets, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Lions still win that game. All right, so moving on to our two um, individual picks. First game, I'm going New Orleans. They're in New Orleans at the Superdome, um, playing Tampa Bay. New Orleans is favored by nine and a half. I don't think that spreads nearly high enough. I think they're going to win by probably two touchdowns in this game. I think especially being at home, Drew Brees um, is always great in the Superdome. I think that defense is going to be dominant. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to go ahead and throw a couple picks. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with New Orleans nine plus or sorry minus nine point five at Tampa Bay, and I may tease it. With, to get that line down even more with my second game, Arizona at home against Washington. I'm going with Washington plus one against Arizona. I think we're going to look at this game and be like, damn, Arizona is really bad. I should have taken Washington. I should have put every dollar I have to my name on that game. So that's a 425 game. It's in Arizona. Washington is favored by one. All right. I see you, man. All right. So let's go. I like... I'm taking Baltimore in the seven and a half. They are at home against the Buffalo Bills, who I think are just going to be awful. We both spoke to that, how bad game, they are. Yes, that game Baltimore screams needs, 10 points. Baltimore needs this game to get out of the gate hot. They're going to have to keep pace with Pittsburgh all year in that AFC North. It's a seven and a half line. I think that's more than 10. So I'm going to take Baltimore, that one o'clock game in Baltimore. And my second game is a game at Miami with the Tennessee Titans, your boys that you're taking two in the AFC South. I like Tennessee at one and a half. Miami is trash. I don't think they're very good. Um, Give me Tennessee in that game. All right. So uh, that is our first. I do not like the AFC East in case you couldn't tell. I can see that. Yeah. Just going back to the pod. Um, all right, so that is our first week of picks. So we're gonna keep up with that every year. We'll give you or every week. I'm sorry, we'll give you a recap of uh, of our records from week to week. So it's looking like we're probably gonna be doing a Monday podcast from now on during the fall. That's gonna be dedicated to every other sport except football. You know, soccer, curling, volleyball, all that good tennis, stuff. whatever you want. And then um, our Wednesday podcast will be half recapping the week before, just when the Monday night game ends and then half previewing the up and coming week from thursday on so uh you guys are going to hear a lot of sorry to interrupt i hope you're ready absolutely so uh follow us on twitter at sorry sports as always let's get those follows up follow us at sorry underscore sports on instagram and then check out the website yeah also make sure to rate and subscribe to the pod too make sure you get that word out know you guys are listening we appreciate it so keep getting the word out rate subscribe and uh let's get those numbers up as well absolutely so we'll talk to you guys next monday have a good one sean all right you too bro